Welcome back to another episode of Last Men Off the Bench, brought to you by Roll Call Sports. I'm one of your hosts, Ethan McDougall. Joining me today, as always, is Caleb Lucas. Caleb, how are you doing? Uh, there's been better nights, but uh, altogether, not too bad. Yeah. You know, before we get into it, where can the people find you, Caleb? Uh, they can find me at Twitter at CalebLucas17. How about you, Doug? They can find me on Twitter at McDougie one So, Caleb, why aren't you feeling too good? Enlighten me. Oh, there is a, a beating at the hands of the Hawks tonight for the Bulls. A season opener. Just didn't go as planned. No. It, there was some rain on our parade today. Yeah, so uh, Hawks beat the Bulls 124-104. Uh, mm-hmm. A couple of players to highlight. Zach Levine predictably led the Bulls with uh, 22 points. And uh, Lowry was right behind him with 21. But on the other yeah. side of the ball, uh, Trey Young had a hyper-efficient 37 points. And then uh, six other guys on the Hawks uh, got into double digits. You say hyper-efficient. How many shots did he take to reach that 37? I think it was... Twelve. It was something like twelve, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Oh um, man, he played a he he played a game. It wasn't very pretty at all, but we'll get into that. Uh, we're gonna change up the structure of this show just a little bit because I think that it would make more sense today to do a negatives and a positives section rather than an offensive defense because, frankly, that's just kind of how the game went. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a whole lot more negative than positive, so. Yeah, but we're going to end on a happy note with some positives before we go into our next section. So let's let's start with some negatives. What do you got for me? Well, uh, to start off, uh, I think a major point kind of highlighted, highlighted in this game was the uh, lack of a reliable playmaker on the Bulls. And uh, how did you see that? What tipped you off? I mean – I, I don't think uh, any of the Bulls players really strung together more than three possessions of making uh, good passes, uh, correct reads, anything like that. It just uh, – it seemed like they were pushing for that, like, oh, five half playmakers on the court at the same time, but it really ended up with, uh, like, uh, no one really playmaking. Yeah. And, you know, you say you can't figure out a stretch of three possessions with three good passes in it. And I, I mean, I can tell you a lot of possessions tonight where there were no good passes and there were a lot of live ball turnovers because of those passes. I can think of one where Kobe's trying to run a pick and roll and he just lobs it into no man's land and gets ripped and sent the other way. That, you know, the Hawks had an exorbitant amount of turn off, turn points off of turnovers. And that definitely didn't help in the final score. Oh, you don't? No, definitely not. I think that was. A, it might be a, a larger point to hit on, but it's really being. It was really highlighted this game that they don't have one guy who can kind of pull this offense together, uh, get it going as a unit. Like we we have a guy like Zach Levine who can get his shot anytime he wants, but he's can't really carry the team with. Uh, creating shots for others yeah and yeah like you said there's no one to really pull this team together and dictate the tempo and find find 
players where they need to be open. And even on the other side of the court, you know, on defense, we're missing a player to really attack the mesh point of that pick and roll. And that yeah. would be kind of the same position. Yeah, I think we, we were discussing uh, before we started recording that, like, the uh, – like I, I refer to it as like the point of attack defender, the guy mm -hmm. at the top of the key, kind of in the middle of all the action. Uh, like in this game, that would be guarding Trey Young. And the Bulls just, their two best ones are uh, Makoka and Hutchison. I don't think if they should never be starting and you don't want to be relying on them. Oh, it's just like the uh, Kobe White and Zach Levine, they're okay man-to-man, -man, but like once they start getting into these pick-and-roll actions, it's they really got exposed this game. Yeah, and, you know, Trey, Trey Young did a great job of highlighting where the defender was because he drew, I think, three fouls of just coming off a pick-and-roll. You know, the defense is right behind him. The defense is on the hip. And normally when you would go to put him in jail, he just stopped, let the yeah. defense run into him and threw up a garbage shot. And, you know, that – I didn't really enjoy watching that, but that's – saves for another day. That yeah. really highlights where the defender is versus where they're supposed to be because, you know, now all of the pressure rely, goes to Wendell Carter Jr. to step up and pick up that man. And, I mean, part of that is, yes, it's drop coverage, but you're not getting skinny enough to fight through screens. Yeah, yeah, those those picks really did, for the lack of a better term, pick off those two and get them behind the ball. Uh, but kind of talking about Wendell Carter Jr., I, I don't think there's anything he can do there because he's got two guys coming at him, basically a two-on-one, a mini two-on-one in the middle of the court with, uh, like, say, for example, John Collins. I saw there was one play where they review, they replayed it from the top of the basket. It's like John Collins is coming screaming at the basket and Trey Young is in front of him. It's like it, if you step up to Trey Young, that's an easy drop off. Mm -hmm. If you sit back, Trey Young can do that little uh, kind of flail, uh, take the contact thing, or he can just push it in and get a wide open mid range or kind of floater shot. Yeah, and I think we did try to see an we saw Billy Donovan try to adjust and bring Wendell Carter Jr. up forward more, and then we just saw Trey lobbing it behind the defense. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, that big man getting behind the second line, especially with the uh, the vertical athletes on the Hawks, who it really did uh, carve them up in that pick and roll. Yeah, and it also felt like the Hawks were getting a ton of threes today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was interesting how they were getting uh, – uh, in the first half, it felt like a lot of Trey Young kind of in isolation, but then also uh, kind of attacking – the rotations on the D where it was, it wasn't that first kick out, the first pass out of the pick and roll. It was when they would start swinging and it'd be that third or fourth one where the mm -hmm. rotation is a half step behind and they get that clean look. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, the rotations weren't as solid as they needed to be. And I, I like how you did, made the discretion of in the first half and the second half, we'll get to the second half in a second, but in the first half, you know, we really didn't see, maybe the first rotation was good and the second rotation was okay. But then someone misses a step on the third rotation and there's Danilo Gallinari in the corner or yeah. something like that. It just, 
and needs to be tightened up. Do you think that Bulls players can improve on that as the season goes on? I definitely think so. It's kind of, we touched on it in the preseason episodes, but this defense is a work in progress as a completely new scheme. I think there, there needs to be improvements in communication, which is a, a fundamental thing on that, on that end of the court. But also it's just like as, as they get more playing time with it, they'll be able to naturally like, oh, figure out this is like kind of how, where they should be going to, who should be going where. Uh, like uh, who should be close enough to the guy in the corner or whatever, where they, they don't have to think about it. They just start doing it. And I yeah. think that little bit of hesitation where they are they're able to be like, oh, that first rotation's good, second rotation on time. And then it's like that third or fourth one start to kind of falter. I mean, it's, it'll, it's hard for any defense to keep up with uh, how the Hawks are swinging the ball. But Yeah, the Hawks were also just whipping passes all over the place. They played a really – nice game and we saw the power of the Hawks but why did you why did you draw that discretion between first half and second half uh, the second half the Bulls started leaning more into a zone defense and then the threes in that were just knowing how to beat a zone yeah, yeah. however they placed their guys it was uh damned if you do damned if you don't with uh who you close who one guy closed out to when there's two guys in the his kind of area of operations in the zone I, yeah, I think a lot of those threes just came off of simple ball reversal, and then the bottom side wing would come up, then they'd toss it in the corner. Or if the bottom side wing didn't come up, it was a it was an above the break three. And that zone is kind of – I feel like that's Billy Donovan's way of saying, look, I, we've tried drop coverage. It's not working, so here's something. Try something. Because I think they ran both a 2-3 and a 3-2 at, at yeah. one point. Yeah. There was some matchup zone in there. It was just Billy Donovan tried a lot today to try and get the Hawks to start missing baskets. Yeah, it was a it was a lot. I think as especially in that matchup zone, I feel like uh, communication is the most key, and it just did like it kind of bouncing between these zones. I don't think it's the most reliable form of defense, but if you're if the if a team's going to do it, they got to be very proficient at it. You could kind of see that the Bulls are still getting acquainted with like kind of the the principles of a zone. Yeah, but at a certain point, they also had to do it because the Hawks scored eighty three in the first half. Yes. Yeah. So you know that kind of forced Donovan's hand there. It was just it was just a disappointing defensive effort um, all around. But do you do you have any I, other neg- I, negative? I, you want I, to I kind of. A kind of asterisk I put next to that is the defense didn't look very well, but when the Hawks shoot 66% from the field and 50% from three through three quarters, that's just a scorching hot team. Yeah, they, it's, they ripped it's just something to kind of touch on. Touch on. It's like it, mm-hmm. the Hawks were lighting them up. One thing I do want to push back on, though, is, you know, we've seen this from the Rockets in the preseason and now the Hawks. Hopefully this doesn't come. This doesn't amount to every night someone setting a record against the Bulls or someone's having a career day against the Bulls because I want to get ahead of seeing this pattern form. You know, two. Oh yeah, that's fine. One's in the preseason, so it's really just only one. But I'm a little hesitant. I'm a yes. little wary. You, though, the Bulls could have done a better job controlling the quality of looks. But sometimes a guy's just going to – if a guy's hot, there's there's some really streaky 
lights out shooters in the league. And if those guys get hot at the wrong time, it's bad news for the Bulls. Yeah. So, so some of the baskets that Trey had were just ridiculous too. You know, he would just put himself on an Island with anyone and step back and can it. Yeah. So not much you can do about that. With that said, do you want to hop over to the few bright spots of the game? Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, have a short memory about this game. You know, I think Lowry, Lowry did pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. We've kind of saw in the, in the first half, him playing his game, the spot up threes, the kind of getting downhill at times. But I think the second half is really, is where he really showed out with his passing. Yes. It, it was something, it was something that I haven't seen from Lowry a whole lot. I know that he can handle off the dribble, but Lowry was running pick and rolls. And not only was he running pick and rolls, he was making lobs and advanced reads out of those pick and rolls, which I think is very impressive. Something that's something that I would not have expected from him. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of caught me by surprise. I think it was, uh, I think it was the late third or maybe mid third where he had that, he had a fast break lob to Wendell Carter Jr. And from there, it didn't seem like he stopped. He had a couple to Gafford. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you mentioned he had a skip pass to the corner on a, on another pick and roller, getting downhill at some point, and it it was very unexpected. And, and I, he, I think he also hit. Um, he was euro stepping, and I think Otto Porter Jr. was cutting, and he hit a cutter while he was driving. I, yeah, I think I remember that. I don't. I don't know if Otto Porter Jr. finished it, but he was. It was very interesting to see him, one, handling the ball off of a pick and roll, and then two, distributing the ball. Because let's face it, Lowry's kind of been a black hole for most of his career. Yeah, yeah. even the preseason, it was like once he gets the ball, it's either he'd swing it right away or he's taken a shot. There's (laughs) one or two options. Yeah, but to break down the defense like that, that's a positive improvement. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a something. I, I hope it's not just a flash in the pan. How would you capitalize on that? How would you can make you? How would you have Lowry continue it forward? If you, I, I think, uh, I think I would, right off the bat, just run some more four or five pick and rolls where he's uh, Wendell Carter, Gaffer are setting screens for him from it, for him, and kind of working off of that because now you got your two biggest guys diving towards the basket and now three shooters, three kind of really skilled players on the perimeter working off that. Mm-hmm. That's the I first think, thing that comes to mind, but how about you? I think the next read I would have them do is maybe do like a four, one pick and pop uh, just because that's a little bit of a different read. You know, you're not looking downhill. You've got to arch your head back to make that pass back out into the, of the three if you're diving in. But I think if he can mix that up, he can also capitalize on a point guard on in the post because, you know, he could back people down. We did see a couple floaters from him, I think. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely think that Lowry Markin is just big enough that if he gets a mismatch, he can bully them and either force a foul or a double team or something. I, I really like the idea of the point guard setting the screen because it gets his man – behind him or a point guard switched onto him and that's a it creates mismatches and that's great for the uh, for the offense Mm -hmm. now 
if the offense can capitalize on those mismatches is another thing because, you know, we're not in the negative section, but there were some times where the Bulls did not hit the man with the mismatch. But they, I think so, yeah, yeah, sometimes they would hit the, the wrong man with the yeah. wrong mismatch. <laughs> yeah. Moving beyond that, there was some excitement earlier in the day and 90 minutes before game time, especially because Patrick Williams was named the starter. Fourth yeah. overall pick in this year's draft. Youngest American-born player in the draft, and he's already starting games. Yeah, and he did not disappoint. No. I think it's this is the best game we've seen from him. Uh, if we take it uh, outside of the context of the how the game went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. It was really all around, and I th- and I want to focus in on one thing because we've seen him. You know, we've seen him take the dribble up off the transition. We've seen him catch and shoot. We've seen him hit the floater. But one thing that we really haven't talked about a lot and one thing that I really want to highlight because I think that there is a lot there is his passing skill. I That game, Patrick Williams was the best passer because he had live dribble passes, both hands off the break, off of any pick and rolls. And when I say both hand, I mean like he can whip that thing all the way across the court with his left hand. It, I, I really want to focus in on his passing just because I think that, I think that that's something that, one, I didn't expect, and two, if you can, you if you can have a, good defensive wing, who can shoot the ball and handle the ball and pass, then we're kind of getting into rarefied air. Yes. Yeah. It's very. It's a very unique skill set, even for the modern NBA of positionless basketball with his size. And those those passes were I Lowry did give him a run for the money for best passer of the game, but for the full full game, yeah. Uh, Patrick Williams really did impress with that. I another thing that re, uh kind of stood out to me with uh, Patrick Williams this game is that uh he had a lot more aggression and purpose with his dribbles. Uh, in the preseason, we were kind of seeing him kind of take the, like, kind of bite his time while uh, dribble, dribbling across the key and then kind of trying to knife into the defense, where at times this game, it felt like he was just using a sledgehammer and saying, okay, I'm bigger than you. I'm stronger than you. I can finish through you. Mm-hmm. Stop me. Oh, yeah. I feel bad for anyone defending him in the corner because I I saw a couple times, you know, like, John Collins would be defending him and Patrick's in the corner. He's just floating and Collins is kind of shading to his inside portion. So he's cutting off. Yeah. Pushing him baseline. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as Patrick got the ball, he just snapped off. He was off like a blur. It took him like two dribbles, get right to the rim. Then he's bringing in that second defender. And that's when I'd like to see more of his passing to get out of there. But you know, his, he was looking explosive in his first and second steps, just getting to the rim in the corner. And I think, you know, teams aren't teams are going to figure that out eventually. But until then, that's his clear line. That's a straight line to the basket. Yeah, yeah. I think it, overall, this game just really impressed me with how well-rounded his game is. But also, like we said, aggressive. But he plays within himself. Yes. There, there is very few plays. He, he takes shots that he's comfortable with. He, he gets to his spots very well. He's never not in control, it feels like. Even when he's moving so fast, 
I still feel like he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Whereas with a player like Kobe, who really gets ahead of himself, sometimes I'm like, Kobe, Kobe, you don't know what you're doing right now. You, you don't have – not that you need a plan, but you don't have an escape route. Yeah. But Pat, hey. Pat, Patrick's – man, he, he's not playing like a rookie right now. Yeah, this is only one game in, but yes. so far we've seen, I think it's just the poise of his game. Like, I, I think that's what I've, the word that I'm looking for. It's like, he's so cool-headed and controlled mm-hmm. throughout the, at least 99% of the game. Yeah, I, I'm very happy that he's a bull right now. All right, I think that that's enough positives for an absolute blowout. <laughs> So what's next on the agenda for us, Caleb? So I kind of wanted, like, uh, the Hawks and the Bulls kind of started their rebuilds at the, a similar time, and we can kind of see they're both trending up, but at very different uh, kind of trajectories. Uh, yeah. So I think that's something, like, we can kind of look at where it's, like, the Hawks almost highlight the, the lack of development in the Bulls or like the kind of stunted development that's kind of been there for the past couple seasons. Yeah. Um, how, how are you seeing this? How are you, what, what kind of markers are you using? Well, it's just like a, you look at the, how like a, a good example would be Cam Reddish for the Hawks. Uh, last year uh, coming into the draft, he was kind of, uh, he had a bad season at Duke, but he was kind of this super athletic, coordinated uh, monster on the wing that had a sweet shooting stroke. And we've seen those guys pan out either like a Ben McLemore in a bust or, or more so like a Jason Tatum who's been who's going to carry the Celtics to a potential uh, what's that championship or like a contender kind of type team. And uh, they kind of they you look at his growth throughout last season and into this season, like just this first game, he was wrecking, wreaking havoc on defense in the passing lanes. And then on offense, he was using that size and athleticism and especially that coordination to get, take contact and then be able to uh, twist his body and get a great shot up at the rim or even stretch it out to three and do that as a a fairly consistent threat. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a that's like one guy, and then like a, a guy I'd compare that to would be uh, Lowry Markkinen, who we saw take steps going into his second year, and then I feel like last year was a complete regression as far as how he was used. It it just kind of like uh, I don't want to put this all on Boylan, but that Boylan era, I feel like uh, the Hawks have done a much better job developing their prospects and using their assets well compared to how the, uh, how the Bulls have done it. And Mm -hmm. since they started at a similar baseline of kind of blowing up their teams at similar times. Mm -hmm. And progression isn't linear, but we do have to see some building blocks and some improvement eventually. Otherwise the players are just who they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can kind of see the the Bulls are making steps in the right direction. But for a few, like for a couple of these guys, it's like, oh, where was this the past couple of years? Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. the Hawks players, uh, you even go to like uh, John Collins or 
Trey Young, who have made leaps each and every year. We've kind of see, seen Bulls players kind of trend towards neutral or even like negative progress, like a kind of regression. Mm-hmm. And that's, that might be the single most damaging thing for this franchise right now. And, you know, if the front office and the coaching staff can't overcome what the Boylan era did to a lot of these players, I don't think we're going to see a lot of these players. Yeah. Yeah. I could easily see three or four of these guys off the team by the end of the year. Yeah. And, you know, I like all of these guys. I've watched them through it all, really. You know, I've watched all of the Boylan era games. I feel for them. But sometimes a change of scenery is necessary for both parties to move on. And yeah. if, you know, if Lowry, Wendell, Kobe, Zach, if they just aren't doing what you need them to at a certain point, you've got to cut ties with them. And I don't know how good the compensation is going to be either. So right now our biggest asset and probably our only positive asset, like firmly positive asset, is our own first round pick. Yeah, yeah as, as far as what it's what it's worth, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think it's just like one of those things where it's it, I don't want to put it all all on this game, but kind of I, I think we'll see as the the season progresses how the Hawks will be seen as like this kind of up and coming to contender for like a top four seed. Like mm-hmm. they'll be competing for the playoffs this year if every and if they, they stay healthy and everything. Right. But for the Bulls, it's like, oh, these guys are fighting to to get near the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like, this isn't just because of one game. I mean, we've had three seasons of this. So this yes. is just, you know, th- this game was just kind of like a highlight. It was, it was a vibe check. Atlanta <laughs> has great vibes right now, and the Bulls do not. They're, the Bulls are trying to get their vibes in check. But when you put them against something as immaculate as Atlanta vibes, then they're going to look weak. Yeah, yeah. They, that's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry for getting a little abstract there. Do you got anything else for us? How, how do you actually, how do you think, you know, we, we kind of already touched on it, but do you think that that's kind of how this game is going to shape into the narrative? Like this is going to be one of the games that we point back and say like, See, this is where this is where the team actually is. Yeah, I think this was a a good kind of gut check to the team, especially in the season season opener. Of it, this team is exciting. They should be more fun to watch when teams aren't shooting fifty percent from three. Mm-hmm. But it's still a work in progress, and it's not a perfect team by any means. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a game by game improvement and week by week. I I hope to see some uh, more and more positive trends. But uh, I I think this one is kind of like a keep keep it in check with where the team is at right now towards where they can be in a couple years. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you. And I want to, you know, I I think the the idea for me is that this is another game building up towards the inevitable Bulls need a playmaker push. Whether it be Ricky Rubio, you know, he's not someone in the ilk of Ricky Rubio 
or a draftee like we were talking about Jalen Suggs beforehand. You know, the Bulls need someone to take the point. And this is just another game of all of the weaknesses pointing to we need someone to handle the ball for us. Yeah, yeah, an engine to kind of orchestrate this offense. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, I think we're done here. Um, yeah. Schedule-wise, schedule, schedule wise, I'm not sure, just because, you know, the holidays are coming up. This is probably going to be the last one for the week. Next week, we'll see what we can do. Um, yeah. If there's any fun games to look forward to next week, maybe we can hop on and get potting. But until next time, have a good one.